basketball is back. It might not be official. It might just be scrimmage games. But Matthew, we finally got to watch some basketball this past week. How exciting is that? Very exciting. And it's not just scrimmage, I don't think. I mean, we're taking these ones seriously, right? Oh, yeah. I'm living and dying with every possession like it's an (laughs) actual game. You know, they're running pick and rolls. And I'm like, hey, you set a harder screen. I'm like, oh, hold on. It's just scrimmage, but... Yeah, I'm getting pissed over here though during the game. Some sometimes, most of the games have been pretty pleasant to watch, but sometimes mm-hmm. I get a little bit pissed, and it's just because I feel like these are real games and we gotta take them seriously. Yeah, and it's fun. It's fun to be into it and care again about basketball. So that's what we're gonna discuss on this podcast. Make sure that you follow the Suns Jam session at Suns Jam on Twitter and Instagram. You can go to SunsJamSession.com and you can email the show session at gmail.com you can always follow the show on the bright side of the sun podcast network looking forward a little later this week to do an omega pod with both the fanning the flames and the solar panel podcast so that's going to be fun uh, but in the meantime i mean we're going to be talking about some scrimmaging i'm john voida i didn't even introduce us that's how excited it's i am all right like, yeah I'm, I'm i'm totally going off script because i'm just like dude game just finished can we sit down can we pod <laughs> and i didn't even i'm john you can follow me at darth voida he's matthew you, you can follow him I'm Matthew Lucy, and I'm going to pop open this beer because I'm so excited. So let's pop it open and let's talk Suns. So we are now two scrimmage games complete. The Suns played on, it was Thursday, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thursday night. Okay, so Thursday yes. night, uh, 5 p.m. Arizona time. We had the pleasure of watching them play the Utah Jazz. And let's talk a little bit about what we saw in that game, if you don't mind okay. just jumping right into it, Matthew. What was kind of your first initial takeaways from that game? Well, the first half, including like even like the first five minutes of the game, they were cruising. Like this offense was really taking off and everything looked really easy. I think a lot of that had to do with just um, both teams kind of getting in a rhythm. Uh, Utah really wasn't defending early, mm-hmm. but Booker and Aiden really had a great two-man game going on. Um, Booker was finding the wide open man. The ball was moving. Everything was looking really great, like right away. So I was very exhilarated <laughs> while, while watching that just to get the game started. I feel like a lot of that comes from coaching. My initial takeaway from that, the first 10 minutes of the game, which is the first quarter on the game on Thursday, was Monty had this team prepared. They were well coached. They were executing the sets that they had planned. They were playing with a defensive intensity that wasn't being matched by Utah. And you kind of saw it because they came out and they kind of put it right to them. Now, again, we're very excited for scrimmage games. We know that these aren't real games, although we're treating them essentially like preseason games. Mm-hmm. But we know that they, at the end of the day, don't, they don't truly matter in the statistical category, but they unbelievably matter for the growth of this team. And that's why with the Suns going to Orlando, that's the opportunity that I think we've all been looking forward to yeah. seeing. And that's what we saw really in that first quarter. And I mean, the whole game, but I mean, right off the bat, it was just well-executed sets, uh, good team communication, uh, and just decent shooting as well, and aggressiveness, and all the things that we we want from the Suns to maintain for an entire four quarters, we saw it right off the bat. We're like, okay, they're being aggressive. They're going after loose rebounds. They're going, they're setting hard picks. They're not fouling. I mean, they're doing all those little things right, and it was just exciting to see. Uh, It totally was. And the biggest thing I really took away from the game and in the beginning of the game was – 
all the wings. Basically, Saric mm-hmm. and Mikel were going straight to the hoop. They were going straight to the rim for everything. They weren't settling on bad shots. Like, they kind of wanted to get in the rhythm. But the one thing with Mikel Bridges, who looked like a total – I mean, the defense is there, but he looked like a totally different player on the offensive side. Mm-hmm. He was actually going to the rim, which we always tell the guy to do. He can't hear us, of course, but that's the one thing he needs to do because he's so efficient around the rim, those long arms – defensively blocking shots because of the long arms, but he also gets those wide open uh, looks at the rim, uh, you know, from creating really good spacing too as well. Yeah. His athleticism was probably the, between him and Dario, it's funny you said Dario, because that's what I had written in my notes was point Dario. There was a couple possessions where Dario was not only bringing the ball up, but doing so in an athletic manner. I was like, okay, he slimmed down a little bit. He's looking a a lot more athletic. Uh, which is saying a lot for Dario Sarge because that's one of his biggest challenges is he's just not an athletic dude. He's going to beat you with technical skills and hustle. And he had a little bit of athleticism going against the Jazz there. But Mikhail Bridges just looked amazing, not only in the first quarter, the first half, the entire game. His aggressiveness, his athleticism, I was unbelievably impressed by that. Uh, what are your thoughts on Cam Johnson's hair? I think it looks good because um, it matches his face really well, if that's what you want to know. like I feel like it's a good look for him. <laughs> It's it, something that it, he it needs. frames his face properly. It does, yeah. It, uh, the short hair is not really good on him. Like, if you look back at his old photos, you're like, oh, I'm glad he has a big... Like, he's not <laughs> ugly. I'm not saying he's ugly. I'm just saying, like, it, the, the hair he has now, he needs to keep. And I it, think like, it, like, matches him? Yeah, it does. I mean, he got, he got bigger. His hair got bigger. So, uh, besides his looks, I mean, he's still trying to find his game still, from what I saw in these two games. Yeah, and he again, he's another one who came out, and he's being a little bit more aggressive. He's taking the ball to the hoop. He is still shooting the threes, which is what we want from him, but I don't feel like he's shooting a lot of threes. No. Um, I do think that all of the Suns have, like, a quarantine look to them, don't they? Like, Cam's got, like, this big hair. Mikhail and Devin Booker probably could use a shave. Like, everybody's just, like, embracing the quarantine look. I don't know if maybe when the season actually starts on this upcoming Friday – that you'll see, you know, maybe some barbers line up some, some hairdos and yeah. stuff, but it, it's funny looking. They're building that barbershop though. Did you see a picture of it? It looks like NBA 2K mm. barbershop. It's a NBA barbershop. I don't know if that was a fake, maybe that was a fake photo, but I swear I saw it. <laughs> I read a lot about it and uh, I think they have the barbershop coming up pretty soon. So by the time the season starts, maybe they'll have some barbers in there to get it taken care of. So I think that's what the players are waiting for, honestly. Oh, okay. Well, Unless, I, mean, I, I feel wrong, like but... I, I feel like in that campus environment, which has been fun to watch. Uh, I don't know if you saw yesterday, like all the sons were hanging out at the pool, just playing. Like Monty went and like full clothes, just jumped in the pool. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, they're developing such camaraderie there. I've said it before. Like it reminds me of being in my my time in the army. Like there's always one guy who can cut hair. Like I'm surprised they don't have one guy who, who's gonna at least take a chance on cutting hair. Like uh-huh. if it was anybody, I'd kind of like predict it was Frank Kaminsky. Like, I feel like he's the guy who's like, yeah. give, give me the clippers. I'll give you a nice fade. And then, like, he fucks up on one guy, and then nobody gets their haircut the rest of the time they're there. So, I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I, I, I could totally see it happening, though. Yeah, I can see that definitely happening, too, man. Uh, but him, too, even along with uh, Dario Sarge, has, he has his facial hair back. Everyone looks uh, pretty brutal right now. Do you see that shiner that he has, Big Frank? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they've been going at it pretty hard with yeah. um, the the bad games um, and also spike ball. They've been playing that, so maybe something got out of hand. That's what I'm thinking automatically with the shiner is something happened there. So yeah, <laughs> he's playing spike ball. He took one right off the uh, the orbital bone. Yeah, hey, that play, might have happened. 
Work hard, play hard, man. So in, in that uh, in that first game, the Suns went up twenty eight to nineteen at the end of the first quarter. Booker had eight points with two assists on three for four shooting, and Bridges had seven points and Ain had six. And that was one thing that I was looking forward to seeing. I mean, you know, when the scrimmage game starts, that there's going to be rust and there's probably going to be a lot of it. And the Suns didn't look rusty. I mean, Devin Booker came out. He went three for four right off the bat. Bridges, yeah. like we said, was aggressive. And then Aiton, as he typically does quietly gets his points and statistics because he's down low and he's not doing anything flashy. He hasn't done a monster dunk or anything. Mm-hmm. He just kind of picks up the pieces around the boards and then gets those points and those rebounds. And so that's how he kind of hit ended the first quarter. And then at halftime, the Suns led 50 to 39 Booker had 10 uh, and he looked like Booker, which is the biggest thing. I mean, did you see that one play where he went down the lane and he jumped up and he kind of did the underpass to eight yeah. and lay up like, that's the kind of things I like to see. Yeah, me too. Um, he can do that, um, especially when you're starting the game and everyone's trying to get the flow of it down. That's going to happen. Um, the only thing is with him, I believe when he when we started the second half, there was more of an aggressive defense. And I think mm-hmm. that it really hit Booker hard and there was more. It wasn't really a lot of turnovers on him, but just like plays where he was just rushing and like kind of thinking a player is going to go a certain way, throwing the ball like just a lot of tip passes and stuff like that. So it was kind of getting out of control. Um, So that's something I'm kind of freaked out about with him Uh, just because when the game does get typically a little bit more hard for the player, I, he seems to like mess up a little bit more and he seems to like not has, of course, no player's going to have an easy time with it, especially Utah jazz. They have one of the best defenses in the league, probably the best defense, but there's just, there's passes and plays that don't, really need to happen for him when the defense is taken up another level like he is actually turning the ball over like himself instead of like the defender doing it you know what i mean like i feel like he gets mm-hmm. in his head still in those situations so that's like something to keep an eye on as these games progress is because we know like the first game everyone's trying to get the everything going everything's easy but when this starts to happen where the defenses have to take it up a notch i want to see him improve on that end of the floor offensively and find the correct player that's open or make the correct pass. I just, for some reason he was having a hard time with that in the second half. Well, it's not only the second half of a scrimmage game that this occurs for Devin Booker. He's somebody who is always aggressive in his playmaking, how he attacks the game. Uh, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, he's just somebody who is always trying to make the play. Uh, and I think it's kind of a product of his, of his environment kind of thing. You know, he's somebody who's been, had to carry the entire um, franchise forever from a scoring standpoint, but also as somebody who has to be an assister. Uh, If you actually look, you know, this is a good opportunity for our B-ball index stat of the pod, passing aggressiveness. Okay, so passing aggressiveness is a statistic that they utilize on B-ball index. And essentially what the formula is, it's bad pass turnovers divided by passes plus bad pass turnovers. Okay. So they have a statistic that essentially understands what the bad pass is and then what the total passes they have are. And if you look at Devin Booker, he's in the 97th percentile in the league at 4.4%, and he gets an A for that. So essentially what that means is his aggressiveness, the way he plays the game, just like what you're talking about, is one of the most aggressive from a passing standpoint in the league. And it comes and goes, right? Because sometimes he's successful on those passes. And, but when he starts to turn the ball over a little bit more, you start to be like, Hey Booker kind of 
reel it in. Yeah. I think that's an opportunity for him is to understand like, listen, I am aggressive when I pass. I am trying to make maybe a little too much happen and do a better job of picking and choosing those opportunities to do so. No, you're totally right. And you totally see it too. Um, I just hope it's something that we can correct going forward. Just be more patient. There's no reason to force anything. Like just be more patient. The defense is there. The, if the double team comes, just find an open guy. You don't need to play make. You don't need to try to make like the correct play right away. Just keep the ball going, spread mm -hmm. the ball, keep it, keep passing the ball, find the open man. Like there's no need for you to make the like hero play right away. You know what I mean? Without a doubt. I mean, I think that because he faces so many double teams and we'll talk about that a little bit uh, about that with the Boston scrimmage, mm -hmm. but all he ever gets is double team. So what Booker essentially does yeah. is when he sees a double team coming, he's always trying to hit the guy who should be open and the NBA defenses are smart. I saw this a couple times today in the Boston game where they start to throw the double team at him. So what does he do? He, he throws the ball to the guy who the double came from, but what's happened is the defense is rotated. So they're actually getting ready to disrupt that play. So that pass goes to a guy and he's already either blanketed or it leads to a turnover. And that's where Booker is really going to have to take a look at the tape and, and analyze, okay, well, if, if they're doubling me from the left wing, okay, maybe throwing it to the left wing where that player is isn't the right move. Maybe it's throwing it the other way, and then the ball rotates around real, once real quick, and then you get a guy with a wide-open shot. And that's that passing aggressiveness. So, again, thanks to B-Ball Index for the stat of the pod on that one. Uh, we still got to make a, a soundbite for that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I think we asked the listeners, but I didn't hear anything. Crickets. Yeah, yeah so, you know? so, so listeners. Too scared again, to step up, huh? You can email – yeah, you, you got to step up on this one. We need somebody to email us some <laughs> audio of you simply saying, B-Ball Index Stat of the Pod, and you can email that to sunsjamsession at gmail.com, and we'll throw it on the pod because we're going to be doing that every podcast. We're going to have some B-Ball Index statistic, and uh -huh. that played in perfectly to what Matthew was talking about with Devin Booker's passing aggressiveness, which is a thing we want. We want him to try to be a playmaker – but he needs to be a smarter playmaker when he does it. So, yeah. And then of course the big play that happened, the thing that blew Twitter up, you want to talk about DA making a three pointer. You want yeah, to talk about that? Yeah. I wanted to start out the podcast. Like when you asked me, how are you doing? I'm like, well, not as good as Andrew Lezis because he's, <laughs> you know, playing games with Booker and Mikel Bridges. He's all over ESPN and all that. But then, I don't even know what happened after that. I, ne I never <laughs> asked you the question. That was the problem. I was just, wow, scrimmage. <laughs> got yeah. too excited. Yeah, we skipped right over it. Um, yeah, so the three-pointer, I mean, he shot it basically. He had a great, great look. And it looked mm -hmm. like him just, you know, before the game, getting those threes up. That's the way he's shooting it right now. And he hit one in the Boston game. But um, for him to make it, it was kind of just like Ben Simmons. You know, Ben Simmons hits one. I think his first two scrimmage games, he's hit a three. So these players are yeah. just doing it in the games that don't matter. So I was excited. I thought it was great. Uh, it sucks, though, because I want him to shoot more from three, kind of, like three or four times maybe. So, like, if he were to miss that one, I still want him to take some other ones because he's, he's going to have a greater percentage. I don't think he's going to go one for one every game or 0 for one. I would like to see him shoot it more. But initially, I mean, it was awesome. I think it's exactly what the team needed. Uh, Monte even said it was good for the team that he made that good for DeAndre. Mm -hmm. And it's something we've been waiting for. Even if it doesn't count right now, it, I think it's good for, uh, good for him going forward. You know, it's going to give him some, uh, something to look back on and be like, you know, I made this before and it's yep. going to help him in the future. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. It's definitely a confidence builder for DA. And it was a design play. You could tell that was run from the out of bounds to hit him in the corner and he hit it. 
and uh, the whole bench went crazy. I think everybody on Twitter went crazy. Everybody stopped what they were doing and be like, hold on, DeAndre Ayton added a three to his game, and we've been talking about it for a while. Seeing it actually happen in the game, all it does is open up the rest of his game. I don't want him shooting five ga- uh, three-pointers a game, but if he throws two or three shots up there, that's going to make somebody – come out and have to guard him and either he can blow by them and then get an alley-oop dunk or he can start to you know get down low in the post and post somebody up better just because it's going to be creating space which is the end goal so kudos to da we're proud of you we're proud that you took that shot finally in a game and made it which is big and again sorry to andrew lesis who said he was going to get a dominating tattoo on his face uh we'll see if he actually does it i know that (laughs) he was playing video games later with uh booker and bridges and Booker pretty much said, like, hey, man, are you a man of your word? And he's like, no, don't <laughs> don't test my manhood on this. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. man. So you will never see me making any of those claims on Twitter that I'm going to get a face tattoo if yeah, somebody well, does something, like make a three. Well, if I did, like, no one would notice. They'd just go about their day. <laughs> yeah. No, you know what I mean? <laughs> no one, it, it wouldn't be retweeted like ESPN. So nope, not even was, close. That was, that was awesome, though. I mean, it just felt it felt great to have Suns basketball back. It was, a, Sun great, Suns it was a great Twitter. night, dude. It yeah. was just – it was unreal how just, like, yeah, Suns Twitter, like, the whole Suns family, like, just everything. It just – it gave me um, butterflies, gave me everything. My head was filled with air. I don't even know. I felt like I was lifted <laughs> off this planet. It, it was great. it was awesome. I mean, we put out a poll, the Suns Jam session Twitter page at Suns Jam, shameless plug, and we just said, "Hey, who's the player of the game?" And Javon Carter commented on it. And yeah. then Javon Carter's mom was commenting on it, and we're like, "Dude, Suns Twitter's back, man! Like, our Suns family's back. It's been so long. Yeah. It's the first sense of normalcy that we've had in three months, and this is just awesome. And even though it's a scrimmage game, it was just fun to feel those feelings once again." Yeah, great way to kick it off. Amen. Uh, just to finish off that game against uh, the Utah Jazz, the their poor three-point shooting. That's one. That was the, yeah. the big negative on this one. The Suns went six for twenty-two from downtown for a total of twenty-seven point three percent. And you compare that to Utah, and they went ten for twenty-four, forty-one percent. So they weren't killing us with the three-ball, and that's one of the reasons the Suns end up winning this scrimmage game, one hundred one to eighty-eight. They're not really a three-point shooting team, but it was a lot of wide-open looks for the Suns and a lot of misses, and that was kind of uh, something that you know you take away and you're like, I'm hoping that this sh- this team addresses their need to shoot three-pointers better because I believe they're like 27th in the league or something like that when it comes to shooting threes or 22nd. They're they're definitely on the lower third of the yeah. league in shooting threes, and it's one thing that we definitely you know book, uh, just give it to Da, he can make them all, I guess, right? Yeah, he's 100%. It's the way the Suns team was all year long. Like, they just – I feel like they had maybe 60 games where they just probably were below 30% on three. But mm-hmm. then they have, like, those six games where they just can't miss. Yeah, where they're So they're out. just very inconsistent. You know, if they, they can find a way to get in the middle of that, that'd be perfect. I We just need three or four more extra made threes a game. And we just can't find it. I don't know what it is. It's just either one guy gets hot or else the rest of the team is like, can't make it. It's just, it's so uneven. I don't even know why I just stop shooting threes. I'm EJ, you know? Yeah. Don't shoot threes you're anymore. old school. Stick with the mid range. No, yeah. <laughs> fuck the analytics. No. <laughs> what, uh, what were your thoughts on Cameron Payne? First time we got to see him. Yeah. He's wearing number 15. I think it's going to be official. Yeah. So I think that nobody wins the lunch bet that you and I had between what his Jersey number would be, but what are your initial thoughts on him? Well, right off the bat, he was um, taking that backup point guard job mm-hmm. quickly. It, 
But like the whole game, it just seemed like an easy game for the Suns. Like everyone was really flowing. So that, I think that helped him out too, gained him a little bit of confidence. Uh, but he was, I keep seeing on Twitter, he's like a more confident um, Elia Kobo. Uh, there's a lot of comparisons, but he's a high energy, high energy guy. And I think that he really found his way into the Suns lineup like quickly. We'll see how consistent it is because like in the Celtics game, he wasn't as good. Yeah. But he was playing a lot with just like the second team and like trying to get their juices going, but it just never happened. But the first game, he he seriously made an impact. And it's something that I thought of initially after the game. We made that poll of who was the player of the game. Cameron mm-hmm. Payne was pretty close because he, yeah. made a, he made a, quite the difference in that game. Yeah, he had a really good debut with the Suns. Went five for seven from the field, uh, one for two from downtown, had 11 points, uh, plus minus of 11. I mean, he played a really solid game coming in off the bench. He was backing up Ty Jerome, who just doesn't look good. I'm no, sorry. Like, Ty so Jerome just lost. doesn't look good right bad, now, man. But he just doesn't know what he wants to be. Is it like he wants to be a sharpshooter or something? He keeps talking about, I'm working on my shot. Doesn't look like it. I don't want him wide open for three, taking shots when Booker's, like, giving him the ball, you know? It's just – I want him – he's so close to being a good playmaker. He is just so close. Like, he – there's a couple plays against Boston where he's dribbling the ball like Steve Nash, dribbling around, but he just can't make the correct pass. He's, Mm -hmm. like, a little bit too early on making the pass or a little bit too late. He's very close to being a decent playmaking point guard. He just needs to maybe find the the rhythm and find the confidence. Yeah, and I feel like he's – going to get lost in the shuffle even in Orlando where there's going to be plenty of opportunity for him to play if he keeps going three for nine from the field and oh for five for downtown like he did against yeah. Utah and then you have Cameron Payne just coming off the bench he's playing with more intensity he is scoring 11 points and shooting like I said five for seven from the field and then you have Javon Carter who's coming and he was primarily playing the two guard position and he had 10 points on two for three shooting and he five for five from the free throw line so he was forcing the issue drawing the fouls and that was actually one of the things I really enjoyed about this game was the Cam- Cameron Payne and Javon Carter lineup when they were the two guards who were in um, when Booker was out. Now, granted, Rubio wasn't in this game, so you're going to have those different lineups. But seeing those two on the court together, I feel like you get a little bit more of a defensive backcourt, a little undersized, but still a good defensive backcourt. And Ty Jerome just doesn't fit in that equation. No, he doesn't. But the thing is, when Ty Jerome started this year and he had a few good games to start the season, like one really good game, remember, just like Cameron Payne. Yeah. Um, but I like the the duo on the back. That's the duo on the back court. It was nice to see him and Javon Carter, really hustle players, mm-hmm. um, and just I, I think complemented each other very well. Well, I think that's a good time to transition into the second game, and that's the Suns versus Celtics, which just ended. Uh, watched it today, Sunday, uh, a ten thirty start. That felt kind of weird, right? Yeah, it did. It was kind of cool though, especially for a Sunday, right? You know, yeah. You have your big breakfast. Like I went to biscuits this morning with my Ooh. parents and had a big breakfast. Uh, I've been working today, but I got to watch the game and it was pretty awesome, dude. I, it just felt great. A Sunday game, kind of like football. Yeah. Really. Seriously. No, no. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, same kind of thing. It's like, you know, if you really wanted to, you could have a bloody Mary and just like sit back and watch the game. Yeah. The difference is like, again, it's a scrimmage game. It doesn't count. And it's mm-hmm. just, it, I'm still not there yet. You know, I'm not ready to have bloody Marys on Sunday. That's more of a fall thing. And I'm hoping that that happens this year. Uh, but it's one thing right off the bat, it was just a different level of defensive intensity coming from Boston. This was not Utah for sure. This is a team that posed a lot of matchup problems for the Suns. You know, even though Ricky Rubio was back, we finally got to see the man bun. It was yeah. great to have him back out on the court. But right off the bat, you're like, oh, this team's a lot more talented than Utah is. 
Yeah, you noticed that right away. I mean, they were down 7 nothing quick. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, the Suns came back. It was 8-7. And when I was talking about when we first opened the pod, where I was like, I was pissed off. I was, I was kind of annoyed by the, by, by the bad playmaking by Booker and, like, just stupid plays by DA down low, like, mishandling passes. And mm-hmm. it was just like, all right, chill out, Matthew. Like, it's yes. seriously yeah, know, the first right? five minutes, you know? But that's just the way it is. I'm not – I don't hate them or anything. I just get upset. But um, I think that uh, Booker ended up doing pretty solid from three, but everything else just wasn't really there. I know he led the team in assists yeah. uh, the rest of the game, but they came back and they made it a really good game until um, halftime, I thought. Well, just as I was excited about the Utah game and how the Suns came out and were fundamentally sound and were running correct sets and you could just tell that they were very well coached, the Boston game was the exact opposite. They came out, like you said, they're fumbling, they're bumbling, they're making weird turnovers. Not, not, not bad decisions, just weird turnovers. They were not shooting well at all. And yeah. then they kind of found their rhythm in the middle of that first quarter, and they carried that, like you said, all the way to halftime. Uh, they were only down a few points at halftime. And they had a decent third, or third quarter. I mean, they came out and they kept fighting. And then all of a sudden, you know, Booker comes off, Aiton comes off, and then the team just can't score anymore. And they just, like, yeah. literally stopped scoring. I think they were stuck on, like, 79 points for, like, 10 minutes, it felt like. And I was like, okay, this, once again, you know, remember who the Suns are. All these things that we've yeah. talked about throughout the entire season are still challenges that we face. Three-point shooting, it's something that we faced during this year. It was a challenge. Our bench, how well our backups play relative to our starters has always been a challenge. Because you look at the plus minuses on this game, okay? Look at your starters, okay? I came up with a, a stupid acronym for this one. This is the BARBS lineup. Mm, BARBS, it's yeah. BARBS. It's Booker. <laughs> Aiton, Rubio, Bridges, and then Saric. Barbs. So Bridges, his plus minus was two. Saric, two. DeAndre Aiton, 10. Devin Booker, one. Ricky Rubio, eight. All pluses. And then you look at the bench when they came in. Uh, Let's see here. We have Cameron Johnson, negative 12. Ty Jerome, negative 20. Cameron Payne, negative 14. Javon Carter, negative 25. Frank Kaminsky, negative 25. I mean, it's just like not good. I mean, it's our running issue with our team is we just don't have that consistent bench play. We like our bench players, but they're, they don't play consistently. Well, the bench, they don't really have a leader on the bench. So when they're, when they're all in together, it's just like, um, I guess I'll take this shot or else, you know, keep moving the ball around, but then you find the incorrect player to take the good shot. I don't, I don't know. It was very confusing to me what was going on on the court. Like no one really know, knew who they were when they were playing all together. Yeah. And like Monte, I feel like just kept them all in for the second half just to see what he had. Exactly. And he, EJ and uh, K Ray, yeah. they, they were talking about uh, how they just have some tape to go over in the hotel room so they can see who they can bring in. And I feel like it'll be like an eight man rotation really, or, you know, with in depth minutes, I think maybe Frank and, uh, uh, Maybe Frank and – I don't know. Cam's probably going to play a lot of minutes, but Frank and Ty Jerome, I feel like maybe they can just have five or six good minutes if they can. Yeah. But bringing Ty Jerome off the bench first, I don't think that's going to happen to you. Like in the future, you have no. Javon Carter, Cameron Payne. I'd be more excited to see just because you, 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 you have an understanding of them kind of making the correct play and like you trust them a little bit more than you would Ty Jerome. Yeah, again, Ty Jerome, 0 for 3 from downtown in this game. So currently in the bubble, he's 0 for 8 
Yeah, there's a guy who's working on a shooting, right? Well, that's well, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's just it's true though. It you know, is. He's, he's one for seven from the field, and Cameron Payne was one for seven from the field too. So as much yeah. as we were impressed with him in the first game, it's just like you said. They, how many times in the past ten years has a, a backup guard come in and or somebody we've traded for like an Alfred Payton, and they come in that first game, they just overly yes. impress you, and then after that, it's just like, and they just yeah, go right back to normal. I don't know what it is. It's like they have everything to prove and then they just get settled in and then it just goes away. I can't tell you what the reason for it, but it's very strange. We just need a little bit from camera pan. We don't need a whole lot. We just exactly. need someone that can make a little bit of a difference when Rubio or Booker is off the floor, you know? Yeah. Just bias some extra minutes that yes. are productive. And to your point, Monty was having a lot of those guys out there for a prolonged period of time to just see how they one play together, who has uh, an opportunity to kind of fulfill that role, who's going to take charge on the court. That's the thing I love about Javon Carter. I felt like there's a few plays where he was taking charge and he's really trying to become a better point guard himself. He was forcing the issue again, kind of trying to get to the line, uh, didn't shoot any free throws, but was going down there and trying to get physical as he typically does. And I just, I love seeing that from Javon Carter. I feel like going up against Boston, it's a, it's a team that, and Eddie said it on the telecast. He's like, it's a team that the Suns should want to emulate. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I don't know the Celtics, they're younger. So they have, but the thing is with the Celtics, they already have players that are all stars. Um, They get more recognition because they're the Boston Celtics, but I don't know how they can emulate because I don't really even know the Celtics game that much, to be honest. Well, I, I mean, like Marcus Smart, for example. Like, watching this game, I love Marcus Smart. He's like, yeah. if you take Javon Carter and you add a really good offensive game, that's who Marcus Smart is. He's a defensive, annoying guy, but he can make big shots and create his own shots. I mean, he had one play where there's, like, two guys on him. He splits them and does kind of like this up and under, and it's just, like, beautiful. I'm like, that's what Javon Carter could be. You look at Jason Tatum. Him and Booker aren't that different when it comes from to an offensive standpoint. I feel like Booker has a better – offensive post game yeah. uh, but the fluidity to his game is similar to booker we don't have a jalen brown and that's a guy that i really like you know he's a he's a shooting guard Me but too. he's a, he's another one of those guys who's just they, they just have so much talent and their team is stacked in they play well together and i think that that's yeah. kind of what i want the suns to emulate is a team that is truly a team because you do have a lot of good names on that team but the way that they play together i think boston's a dark horse that not a lot of people are talking about in the east yeah no, they could be. I, I, I don't know. I think that Boston is under underlooked or undervalued a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe because I know Bill Simmons talks about it a lot, but Kemba Walker has like a hip issue or knee issue or something. Some, some injury that might keep him like down to like 60 or 70% of his playing potential going into the playoffs. So that might hurt them because like the Suns, I mean, they have like the point guard, like uh, the, the leader, they have the leader in Rubio. Yeah. And then, you know, the Celtics have Kemba Walker, Kemba Walker, of course, I would take over Rubio, but they had that leadership at the point guard position with a bunch of young guys. So that's good to have. And if they lose that, it might hurt them in the future. But Jason Tatum, like I loved watching him and Mikhail go at it. Like I, I loved yes. it so much. Like Mikhail made his stance is like, he made it a little bit in, in this season, but this game against Tatum, it's like, you can't get off a good shot around me. Like, you're going to have a difficult time. And like that play where he blocked him under the hoop and then took the ball down, like handling the ball the way he does down the court, mm-hmm. passing it up and like getting the dunk. Like it's, it's great. And he can be a guy that relieves a lot of pressure from Devin Booker and like other players on the team. Cause he can easily be maybe even the second or third best player on this team. The way he's been playing. 
it's came, it's it kind of came out of nowhere, right? A little w- bit. Well, I wouldn't say it came out of nowhere because you ask any Suns fan who they uh, are most yeah. excited. Who do you not want to trade? What's the one asset you're like, yo, that's ours. Don't touch him. And it's always been Mikael Bridges because we've yeah. seen instances of his greatness. We've seen his defensive prowess. Every now and then he'll, you know, we've seen his shot change throughout the year. We've seen him drive to the hoop and surprise even himself with, with how long he is. And I think that's safe to say after these first two scrimmages, that Mikel Bridges is easily the winner on the Suns for the guy who's improved the most during this quarantine time. Yeah. I'm so excited for Mikel Bridges. I think you're absolutely right. He's a guy who can take pressure off Booker without a doubt defensively, but now a little bit offensively too. He's discovering his game. He's discovering that he's like, hey, I am a scorer. I do have the ability to do this. He wasn't shy in this game, okay? He took 13 shots. That's second on the team behind Devin Booker's 15. He made five of them. He went two for six from downtown. He scored 16 points at five rebounds. We're starting to see him a little bit more active on the rebounding uh, side of the ball, which is something that Mm -hmm. he's always kind of shied away from. And you're seeing a more complete player come back and and develop confidence. And that's the key is Mikel Bridges – Everything that's going on out there in these scrimmages is doing nothing but enhancing his confidence. And if he's going to have that confidence with his athletic ability and his skill set, he's going to be a dangerous player. And he, he's going to be a huge part of the success of this team moving forward. Yeah, he – I don't mean like it came out of nowhere. Just saying that he went up like 10 notches. Yes. I was yes. thinking maybe another notch. Maybe just something, something little. But he is handling the ball so well up and down the court defensively he's doing great the only thing is like i even saw dave king tweet like when he's taking the ball on a fast break he's not making like the correct decision of passing it out mm-hmm. he tries to take it to the right time down even if he's guarded and there's like a guy open oh yeah to him, yeah he, he won't make that. the correct dish but that's easy to fix but he's he's just making an impact towards like you even tweeted where you're like i'm gonna buy his jersey oh hell yeah i, like, I, I put that out there listen if anybody wants to ven- venmo me at John Voida and donate to the John Needs of Mikael Bridges fund, yeah. please do because I want a Bridges jersey, man. That's my guy. I, I love, absolutely love. I mean, he had that one possession where it's like he had a block, he went down, he hit a three. And it's just like you're seeing yeah. all these little plays that he's making. And even on the fast break point, he's still he's trying to lead the break and he's trying to learn yeah. what that's like. Instead of being a trailer, if he's getting the steal, normally he'd get the steal and dish it. And then he could potentially become the guy who either dunks it in or the other, yeah, or, you know, now he's like, I'm stealing it and I'm leading the break. He's being aggressive and confident and it's fun to watch. And to your point, yes, I thought maybe one or two notches is what we would see from him in growth because every time he's had a chance to showcase some growth, he's done it in his career. We're just so used to as Suns fans, not seeing <laughs> a lot of, you know, guys really yes. take that next step. The only guy in the last five years who's actually, you're like, Oh, Whoa, he took a step was Booker. I remember yeah. when Booker came out in his first yes. season, his rookie year, you know, he had an offensive game. You're like, Oh, that's nice. Okay. He can score a little bit. And the next season you're like, Oh, he added like three things to his game. And the next season yeah. you're like, Oh, he's posting guys up now. I and mean, he continued to add and add and add. That's what Bridges is doing right now. And it's fantastic. Yeah, because he'll get that recognition too from people that are watching the scrimmages or even in the eight the seating games. Like he'll get it from the outside of like the Suns like family, like our fans. Like there's gonna be like Bill Simmons or like other podcasters on NBA Ringer.com, whatever. Like they'll yeah. be they'll be watching the games and be like, wow, this guy has a chance to be an all-star. Like that's that's how when I'm watching this game, that's what I'm thinking of. Cause it's like, oh, Bridges stole it again. Oh, there goes Bridges down the court, yeah, taking the ball away, like making the correct play. Like it's just it's crazy. Like you said, it's nothing like we've seen except for Booker. That's it. Mm-hmm. And he's added a little more weight to him. So he's got a little more 
uh, physicality to his game, which I feel in the past he was always a little tentative just because he didn't know if he could be physical. And I think he's discovering yeah. now he's like, I can be physical. So even on that fast break play, I know exactly the one that Dave Queen King was uh, tweet <laughs> tweeting about. Did I call him Dave Queen again? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't listen to this Dave. Uh, but on that play, like I'm, I'm glad that he's not making that pass because he's trying to figure out what his physicality is and how far he can take it. And then the work that he's put in these past four months, what is the benefit of that? And he's learning that. And what he'll learn to do is, is finish through contact and again, develop more confidence i mean i'm so high on mikhail bridges right now it's ridiculous it's unreal and it is and you talk about the rest of the league is going to start to take notice in these bubble games because they're going to have the opportunity to see it which is fantastic and it's also going to be create a lot of those bullshit trades because people everybody's going to want a piece of mikhail bridges we've got him for two more years under a fantastic contract like everybody's going to want a piece of this guy yeah so don't well, we, trade them, sons. <laughs> well, remember we talked about the Draymond uh, Green trade. It was like dumb trade of the week. And I was like, yeah. you know what? well, we don't know what Mikhail Bridges is going to turn into. Like, we can't wait. How much longer can we wait? But instantly, it's like, never mind. Like, no, I want this guy around. Because I didn't think, because being a Suns fan, you don't think these players are going to improve that fast. But it was that fast. And I'm keeping them. I want them on this team. Me too. I mean, there's no way we have to. I mean, he's the glue guy. You need yeah. those glue guys to be successful. Plus more. Like he can Plus do, more. I, I don't even know. His ceiling now, I don't know what it's going to be. Oh, yeah. I'm excited for actual games to start later this week because then the statistics will actually, you know, matter. Yeah. You know, the, the hard thing about watching these games right now is, like you said, you get so emotionally invested. Like, oh, yeah, this doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. but We're just counts, so excited to have basketball yeah. back. But can you imagine, like, if the season ended, like, if this pandemic never happened, we finish the season, Suns just never improve. Like we're a lottery team again. And we just have to figure out like, what are we going to do in the off season? Like what players should we keep? Like me, like, should we trade Mikhail Bridges? Like these two games help just like signify a lot and like kind of confirm what we, what we need and like who is going to be on the team in the future. I think. Agreed. Already. Completely agreed. And you couple that with the growth from a team standpoint, from a camaraderie standpoint, with these guys being around each other all the time, it's doing nothing but fortifying those relationships that are going to make them a better team. You know, every day after a game, you know, Booker would get in his car, drive off into the sunset and go do whatever he wants. Ricky Rubio would go home to his family and Cameron John, you know, it's, now it's like yeah. they all go back to the same hotel. They're hanging out at the pool together. They're developing these relationships. They're becoming a stronger team. And then Elliot Kobo, they're going to be like, hey, man, you need to go. Like, yeah. You're not and we don't even have Baines back yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? You you know, forget about that. And, and you see that. That's, that's the biggest struggle, I feel, especially with the Boston game, because they're such a physical team, and he's such a big physical player. You, yeah. you need somebody like him just around to assist, bang the bodies down uh, on, the, on the glass, just yeah. to kind of get down there and show everybody, you know, hey, we can be physical too. Because right now, the Suns' identity, it's not that of physicality. It's not one of we're going to beat you with defense. Right now, it's, listen, we're going to pass the ball, and we're going to be disruptive on, on defense from a stealing standpoint. Yeah. And what makes teams like Boston scary is the different ways that they can beat you. They can beat you with finesse and having Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown uh, score the points. They can beat you with defense, with Marcus Smart, being a, a pest they can beat you with offense pick and roll high pick and rolls things of that nature when you have Kemba Walker out there playing to the best of his ability and the Suns just aren't there yet and you know that's kind of the challenge that we're going to have going into the next season is hey what are we going to do to 
expand how many different ways we can beat you. Yeah. No, you're exactly right, man. But we got a we got a better reflection now. I mean, the games aren't even over yet, but we can actually use these next nine games. Yeah, scrimmage yeah. game and then eight games to yep. really figure those out, figure those things out. Well, and the next game is going to be 11.30 a.m. Arizona time against the Toronto Raptors. So the Suns definitely didn't get any favors from the NBA because although they got the Jazz, which is a team I feel like we just match up well against, that happened during the season as well. Yeah. Uh, Boston's a tough matchup. A team we beat actually on your birthday this year. And then we get Toronto. Yeah. It's like, you know, Toronto's the best team in the East. Let's take – well, one of the best teams. I mean, uh, you have Milwaukee. But it's like Milwaukee, Toronto. So – the nice thing again about this and the reason why it was so important for the Suns to get into the bubble and play is the level of competition you're going against. You're not going against a banged up Golden State Warriors squad. Yeah, you're going against the best in the league. And when the bubble starts, we're going against the best, you know, they're all playoff teams. So except for the Wizards. So I mean it's just gonna be such a great opportunity to really see the growth. And again, I just I'm giddy with excitement on Mikel Bridges. He's just me looking too. so fantastic right now. Uh, anybody who disagrees, don't at me. Yep. He's my favorite. He's the one I trust the most right now. So even uh, it's two games. <laughs> I know after, after two games, like everything's changed. Um, you want to do a couple mailbag questions before we get out? Uh, yeah, today? go ahead. Yeah, let's uh, do it, dude. All right. So the first one comes from Andrew Arun and he just says, Hey, rank the sun's backup point guard from best to worst campaign. Ellie Kobo, Ty Jerome, Jevin Carter, Javon Carter. I'm sorry. And uh, Jalen LeCue. All right. So who's the best of those? Who's the best of those? Yeah. Oh, man. Javon Carter, for sure. I got I to go with Javon Carter there. He's number one yeah. in my book. I feel, yeah. like, I feel like Cameron Payne has the potential to be the number two. I just haven't seen enough of him yet. It's hard to already oh, exactly. throw him in a ranking list if it's like, okay, he had a great first game going five from seven, and the next game is one for, se- one for seven. So, I mean, you just don't know what you have. Yeah. But who do you put ahead of him? Elia Koba or Ty I- Jerome? I mean... I know, right? So it's those two right now, but yeah. then the rest of them are kind of just bunched together. You know, it's just kind of like, all right, who's going to give me like five or six decent minutes, you know, and maybe they'll have a good game, but we can't count on it. So they got, they're kind of just bunched together, the rest of them. Yeah, the it's like they're collectively third. Yeah, they are. Like, I think Cameron Payne has the best possibility to be the second best behind Javon Carter. And again, with that being said, like that's an area of concern for the Suns. Like you need to have that that backup point guard guy. And when you have like Javon Carter, maybe Cameron Payne, and then like three average scrubs, like that's not the answer going into next season. No, it's not. So we'll figure that out hopefully. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, hope so. yeah once the draft comes around, we we'll kind you. of figure out what we do there. Yep. All right, we got one other question. And again, folks, you can email us at sunsjamsession at gmail.com to send us these. And this is from Jonathan Che. He said, Bleacher Report published an article today in which they predicted that Booker could request a trade, of course, to the Pelicans. Here was the dumb trade they proposed. So I'm going to drop the music real quick. Dumb trade of the week. And this is what they said. The Suns would trade Devin Booker. The Pelicans would trade Jackson Hayes, J.J. Redick, Lonzo Ball, and multiple first-round picks. What are your thoughts on this dumb trade? Nope. Yep, done. Too easy. Yeah, we're done. Why? I like no, no, no. If you go through those players, like I like them. Like I like Jackson Hayes. I like them. Yeah, me too. Okay, JJ Reddick's at the back end of his career, so that's a throwaway. I like Lonzo Ball, and I like multiple first round picks. So in theory, it sounds like a good trade. But we're I'm tired of the rebuild shit, man. I'm tired of the rebuild shit. What I want is I want the Suns to bring in another legitimate score to put next to Devin Booker and now newly found Mikael Bridges, and take that load off yeah. of Devin Booker because 
the, the best part about bridges, and I, 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 I'm sorry, folks, that I keep going back here. No, but, everyone's on the same. Yeah, go but, ahead. The, but the better that bridges gets, the more defensive relief Booker's going to get on offense. Like, guys are going to have to kind of yeah. pay attention to him. So Booker is going to get more one on one matchups. And when he gets one on one matchups, dude, the dude's nasty. That's yeah. what kills us. In the Boston game, I didn't mention it, but I mean, every possession he was getting doubled i'm like dude this is a fucking scrimmage and they're just throwing the book at booker already like it's <laughs> bullshit man it reminded me of the regular yeah. season the poor no, guy yeah. can't do anything yeah no you're right it's uh it's one of those things where i think the coaches agreed you know the first half you know go at it do what you can like um try to improve with the first team as much as you can the second half like just let's see what else we have i think that was just the agreement between the coaches but i wanted to ask you before we end the pod sure percentage that kelly Oubre comes back Ooh man, I saw him on the the sidelines today. Did you see him running back and forth. Yeah, and I was just like, <laughs> I, I'm gonna give uh, it fifty percent right now. 50, I think yeah. he, I think he's around there. I think he's probably feeling pretty healthy, and he's just too excitable not to play. Yeah, like he, you can I, see it he, on his face. He wants to play. Yeah, I don't know if he should necessarily because I've said it before. He is probably one of the Suns' most valuable assets because if we go into next year and he's still on the team. It's fantastic. He's a great player. He's the heart and soul of the team. You want him there. But he's also somebody who, if we wanted to trade him, we could get pretty top value for him, seeing that this is the best he's ever been in his life. And you want to sell high versus trading low. So I think that if he goes and he plays and he injures anything, it could hurt, it could hurt his value overall. And yeah. that's kind of the, the history of the Suns. What, uh, what are your thoughts on him coming back? I was going to say 60%. Okay. I just, okay. I think it would be nice to have him on the floor. Kind of like Mikel. It's like, if we didn't see Mikel in these scrimmage games or like in the eight, the seating games, like we wouldn't really know till next season, how he improved. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to see, not that Kelly Uber would improve, but just him in that lineup with Sarge, even though Sarge put up a really good game against Boston. It's just, there's things that Uber can do better than Sarge. And I think he can put up better stats, better efficiency and all that. But I just want to see him, you know, being in that starting lineup and I want Sarge coming off the bench. I just want to see what that looks like for eight games. Well, and so. It would help as well because running those three guard lineups were just really painful to watch for the Suns. Oh, and that's because you don't have those extra wings right now. A team that has generally had a plethora of extra wings doesn't have them right now. I mean, with Kelly Oubre out, that really hurts the team from a lineup construction standpoint and substitution yeah. patterns. So having him back would assist that greatly. And uh, it'd be it'd be just be fun to see Kelly Oubre out there playing, man. He's, a, yeah. he's such a fun watch. He's, he brings so much energy. I'd be interested to see if he like does the push-ups. I don't know, with, with no crowd around. He's like everyone's like, "What are you doing, dude? Like, get up, man! Like, there's no he, crowd." You can do push-ups against the wall. Yeah, or, or the walls you, with no fans. Who, who would he? It. Who would he uh, be blowing kisses to? Oh yeah. Well, there's a few people there. Yeah. Uh, the other team, I guess. Start a fight. <laughs> I, I guess. Yeah, I know. Right. The first. Oh, they're going to have the other fans. They're on the Jumbotron. They're going to have 30 fans of the other team or the home team's going to have 30 fans on there. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. That looked really yeah, cool. So he can blow kisses to them. <laughs> there you go. Cause they're going to be there cheering the whole game. So. <laughs> oh, well, well it's, it's unbelievably awesome to have basketball back, even if it is just scrimmage games. I mean, the day that it happened, I came home, I popped open a beer and I was just like, so there's something to watch. I, I counted down to five o'clock all day. I'm like, I haven't done that in four and a half months. Honestly, the last yeah. time I counted down to anything, I think was the last dance when it was on ESPN. It's the last time like, there so. was, there was programming where I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't miss this programming. Yeah. And it's, it's been must watch for the Suns fans. If you haven't had an opportunity to, to watch it, don't worry. That's what the Suns jam session is here for. We'll walk you through it and tell you what we saw. Uh, 
you know, again, that's, that's all we got for this podcast. Make sure that you follow the podcast on Twitter at Suns Jam. Make sure you follow, you can follow on Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. I'm Matthew Lissy. That's all I got on this one. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. How, yes. do, you like how do you like that tagline, Matthew? I like that. Hey, and uh, go ahead and uh, <laughs> hey, go home hey. and uh, love your family. Huh? Hey, go love your family, guy. <laughs> all right, I'm going to grab another beer.